When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's July. And I'm in Mount Airy, North Carolina, population 10,347, located at the foothills of the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains. This is the birthplace of beloved American actor Andy Griffith and the model for Mayberry, the setting for his classic sitcom, The Andy Griffith Show. Griffith played Sheriff Andy Taylor, keeping watch over his sleepy town and his young son, Opie, played by little Ronnie Howard. When you give your word, never go back on it. You, you understand that, do you? Okay, Pa. You can trust me. If the name sounds familiar, Opie grew up to become Happy Days actor and Hollywood movie director Ron Howard. To bring in the tourists, Mount Airy does its best to recreate the Mayberry experience. You can eat at Snappy Lunch, which was mentioned on the show. That's the famous pork chop sandwich. Yeah, if you look at it, look at it. It's got potato and slaw. You can ride around in a replica Mayberry police car. Or you can spend a couple of hours at the Andy Griffith Museum. Someone at our house every day. <laughs> we have there recorded and rewatched all the time. Growing up, we watched it in reruns. It was my father's favorite show, 6.30 p.m., Channel 5. But not many of these people know that the price of admission to the Andy Griffith Museum will allow them entrance into another smaller museum just downstairs in the basement. The $8 price includes the Siamese Twin exhibit as well as the Andy Griffith Museum. Uh, I might take a peek at it. The Siamese Twins, Mount Airy's second and third favorite sons. These are the uh, Siamese Twins. Yeah, I've heard of them. This is fascinating. It really is. I don't know if they died together or I'm trying to figure out what happened at the end of their lives. Tanya Jones runs both places and talks about a common reaction from the people who visit the exhibit downstairs. The surprise is, why is it here? And it's here because this is where they settled and raised their families. Chang and Ang Bunker The once world-famous conjoined twins were born in Thailand, called Siam at the time, in 1811, and later in life settled right here in Mount Airy, many years before people even heard about Mayberry. This episode is about those remarkable twins. It's a complicated and not always happy story. But this story is real. So, I mean, they weren't a part of the show or anything, though, were they? I would definitely know if they was on the Andy Griffin show, no. I'm Mo Rocca, and this is Mobituaries. This Mobit, Chang and Ang Bunker, a messy American dream. This is 
Miss Francis and Caroline. I've seen you before. My cousins. This is very good. I know. You've seen him on television on CBS. I'm Francis Hall. Okay, and I'm at a family reunion here in Mount Airy, North Carolina. And he must be the youngest bunker here. Yeah, he's eight weeks old. Oh my gosh, look at him. Okay, so it's not my family reunion, but I'm happy to be crashing it for the food alone. This is a sticky rice Ah. with the coconut milk, and Mm. this is the mangoes. I like it. It's different, different than biscuits and gravy. While this family's North Carolina roots stretch back nearly two centuries, its Thai roots stretch back much farther. (laughs) Greetings and hi to descendants. Welcome to the, I believe, 29th annual Bunker Reunion. This is the Bunker family. Bunker is the name Chang and Ang adopted when they came to North Carolina. At this reunion, family members take sides. I'm a fourth great-grandson of Chang Bunker. I'm a great-grandson of Ang. We're all Chang. This is all Chang. I'm a descendant of Ang. He had the strongest body, but his face was kind of like a plowboy's face. Little Uncle Chang, he had the weaker body and a crooked backbone, but he had the prettiest face and hair. Everyone here seems proud to be descended from the twins. Let's read the back of your shirt. It says, our family sticks together, and there's a picture of Ng and Chang on the back. But apparently it wasn't always something the family celebrated. Ask Caroline how she found out about the Siamese twins. How did you find out about the Siamese twins? I was in the living room one day as a little girl, and I just opened up the secretary, and I saw all these articles and pictures of the twins. And stashed away. You felt like you were discovering family secrets? Yes. Turns out many of the almost 1,500 descendants of Chang and Ang, I know it's a crazy number, we'll explain, have been on journeys of their own. And that's the other story we're going to tell you. I remember walking down the streets of little Mount Airy, North Carolina, and going into a store, and somebody would look at me and say, you must be one of those bunkers. So I was a little bit labeled. Alex Sink is a great-granddaughter of Chang Bunker. But I have to give credit to my father because he said, he said, you should be so proud of the fact that you come from the Siamese twins who overcame so many obstacles. And it's an incredible story to tell. The twin story begins on the other side of the planet in a fishing village in Siam. The boy's family was actually ethnically Chinese. The twins were born on a houseboat, perfectly healthy, except for a four-inch-long band of flesh and cartilage joining them at the midsection. Trace your finger down the lower part of your chest, right where the bone stops. That's where they were connected. They shared one belly button right in the center of that band. Despite this connecting band, they led a relatively normal life. They learned to walk and to swim, and to help the family make ends meet, they raised ducks and sold the eggs at market. In Thailand, they weren't raised as curiosities, the way that they would become in the United States. That's Joe Orser, a history professor at the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire. He's the author of The Lives of Chang and Ang, Siam's Twins in 19th Century America. They were given a great amount of uh, um, freedom to run around and play. One day, when the boys are just 12 years old, a British merchant named Robert Hunter comes sailing down the river, and he spots something in the distance. 
And he saw what he would later describe a monstrosity. He thought it was some sort of animal playing in the water. Then he would ultimately discover that it was these conjoined brothers. And immediately, he thinks. We could make a lot of money exhibiting these two young boys. Hunter spends five years lobbying the king of Siam for permission to take the boys with him. When I shall sit, you shall sit. When I shall kneel, you shall kneel. And if you're picturing Yul Brynner, sorry. The king his character is based on in the musical doesn't come on the scene for a few more decades. Etc., etc., etc. Finally, after Hunter teams up with American ship captain Abel Coffin, the king signs off, and in 1829, the 17-year-old twins set sail for America. And I don't think they had any idea what they were getting into. They had no idea when they left in 1829 that they're not ever going to see their homeland again, they're not going to see their mother again, that for the rest of their lives they're going to be in the West. They spend four months on the ship, climbing the mast, learning to play chess, picking up English from the sailors. The America that greets them is in the middle of a transformation. Andrew Jackson is the brand new president. The country is industrializing, and it's a super boring place. There are basically three options for entertainment. Card games, cider drinking, and cockfights. That's pretty much it. No surprise, Chang and Eng become instant stars. If People magazine existed back then, they would be in it every other week. Some of the first entertainers in America, yes. I think, at least famous yes. ones. Within months, they are household names. The phrase that would come to describe them, Siamese twins, becomes very famous very quickly as well. That's right, they're the original Siamese twins. That's where the expression comes from. By now, that four-inch band has stretched to five and a half inches. No small difference. They were able to stand side by side. If you've ever seen pictures of them, they're dressed nicely, and each has one arm over the other's shoulder. That was the most comfortable position for them. To me, they kind of look like two best friends coming home from a late night out. As for the show they put on, there were some acts of acrobatic feats that they would be asked to do. These included somersaults or lifting weights or playing badminton, you know, one, each of them holding a, a racket and hitting the birdie back and forth. They're being asked to perform these types of physical feats for an audience that's paying money just to watch them just because they're a pair of conjoined twins. But they're not just being gawked at. They give as good as they get. Were they funny? Yeah. Uh, some of the commenters said that they had a great sense of humor. They were very quick-witted, so uh, you could ask a question and they would be you know, quick with a response. During one show, they notice a one-eyed man in the audience, and they tell him they'll refund half of his admission because, after all, he's only seeing half the show. <laughs> they travel the country. In New York City, they're exhibited at the Grand Saloon of the Masonic Hall. In small towns, they perform in living rooms or tents. The small rural communities, they hold exhibits, and you've got wagons full of people kind of converging on the small towns to see the twins and to talk about the twins and to spread rumors about the twins. There's this one story of superstition surrounding them that's especially wild. So in Kentucky, shortly after their visit, a woman gives birth to conjoined twins, and immediately the thought is, 
Did she see the twins? Was their condition somehow contracted by, by her because she saw the twins? And no, she hadn't actually gone to the show, but she had seen pictures of the twins being advertised. And so the question is, well, did that cause... Almost like it's um, viral. Exactly. We're all wired to find the idea of conjoined twins, Siamese twins, just completely and totally riveting. I remember being a kid and you, you, you'd hear about a set being born and it's just, it's, you just can't help but be fascinated. Why do you think that is? Because at once it's so familiar and yet also so different, so alien. They have the ideal physical form. It's the fact that they have this extra band of flesh that connects mm-hmm. them. And at once it, it's appealing, it draws your attention, but you also feel a slight sense of horror. They are an early version of ultimately what would become known as a freak show, a traveling freak show. And those kind of experience a tremendous level of success in the 19th century. Part of the fascination is that Chang and Ang are among the very first Asians in America. This is decades before Chinese immigrants come to work on the railroads. Philosophers opine about their souls. Doctors prod them with needles. There's a rom-com written about them. Herman Melville alludes to them in Moby Dick. Oh, and none other than Mark Twain speculates on them. He writes this. When one is sick, the other is sick. When one feels pain, the other feels it. When one is angered, the other's temper takes fire. And are people actually questioning whether they are one person or two? They're in Alabama, and a doctor in the crowd and the audience of one of their shows thinks that they're in some way trying to pull a fast one over on them. So the doctor asks one brother, what will happen if I poke you in the arm with a needle? And the other one says, if you poke my brother in the arm with a needle, I'm going to punch you. Bunkers have temper. The bunkers have temper. Bunker got tempers. That's Jasper Bunker. He's a great-grandson of Ang. It's said that the twins had opposite personalities. Ang was more gentle and well-mannered. Chang was cranky and loved to fight. Sometimes they fought with each other, and sometimes that temper was directed at those who got in their faces. Uh, they got in a scuffle, and they had a little fight, and four fists just started going, you know. Right, yeah, of course. Yeah. Because if you mess with one brother, you're going to get the other brother. They got four, four fists going, colored. Increasingly, their temper was directed at Abel Coffin. He'd bought out Robert Hunter for full ownership of the twins' contract. They had started to understand that Americans saw them as bonded labor. Uh, The money they earned was not going to them, but to their owner. And so they knew that Americans believed that they were slaves. Just one of many indignities they suffered? When the twins traveled to England, Coffin and his wife luxuriated in first class, while Chang and Eng stayed in steerage with the servants. Soon enough, they'd had enough. Here's descendant Alex Sink again. And they had the courage at the age of 21 to write the guy a letter and said, we're done. We can do this on our own. And so they did. It helped that they'd planned ahead for life as independent men. They were very frugal and saved enough money because I think they had in their mind that they didn't want to spend the rest of their lives on display. There are journals that outline every single penny they spent on their tour. At the age of 28, they traveled through rural North Carolina. When they saw the Blue Ridge Mountains in the distance, they were reminded of Siam. It was a sign. 
They wanted to have a normal life. They were young men. They were normal young men who wanted to have a family. Chang and Ang were ready to settle down and make new connections. And this is where the story gets really interesting. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Did you see the bridge yet? I didn't know. Chang eventually owned this side of the creek, and Ng's family had the other side of the creek. During the Bunker family reunion, I wanted to get a little closer to the life that Chang and Ng led here in Mount Airy, North Carolina. So I asked Alex to show me around. And then the outhouse was down the hill. Do we know what the outhouse looked like? Because we know it was a two-holer. <laughs> Built for the twins. The story of Chang and Ang taking the country by storm and then winning their freedom is so triumphant. So it's a little surprising that some of the family members at the reunion grew up not even knowing they were related to them. When I was growing up, nobody talked about the twins very much. Really? Why? Oh, my grandmother wouldn't even let us bring up their name. Why? I think it's because of the, you know, the Victorian age. Nobody wanted to talk about how they created 21 children. Yes. 21 children. But before we get ahead of ourselves. After a decade on the road, Chang and Ang retired to rural North Carolina, where they could start building a life, undisturbed by curiosity seekers. They became American citizens, and as they established themselves in town, they started looking around for potential wives. The story goes that at a friend's wedding, Chang fell hard for Adelaide Yates. It was mutual. But as one half of conjoined twins, Chang realized the relationship was going to be extremely awkward unless Ang also found a spouse. The good news was that Addie Yates had a sister, Sarah. The bad news was that Sarah didn't particularly like Ang. So the twins hatched a plan have all the women from neighboring towns over for a quilting party, the era's version of a group hang. Ang doted on Sarah, sharing tales of life on the road. It worked. The twins had found their other halves. What do you think they overcame in the mountains of North Carolina by saying they wanted to get married? Right. My God. And somehow, through their charm and wit, these two girls fell in love with them and agreed to... Can you imagine how scandalous that was? I'm wondering, like, the, 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 the courage of those two sisters, too. <laughs> Absolutely. The sisters, for sure. It didn't hurt that the twins were funny and, well, rich. And that Addie and Sarah were used to not caring what other people thought. I think probably the fact that their mother was... a was different. How? Because of being enormously overweight. Remember Tanya Jones? She's not only head of the Andy Griffith Museum slash Siamese Twins exhibit, she's also a descendant of Ang and chair of the Bunker Reunion this year. 
Um, she supposedly was the largest person in the area and reportedly weighed over 500 pounds. Wow. And they were used to being in the presence of someone who was looked at as different. So possibly that made them more open-minded. It was around this time that the twins considered being separated. They figured if they were going to have normal lives, this was the moment. Adelaide and Sarah were against it. I choose to believe that the girls preferred to have them alive together, conjoined, rather than possibly dead, separated. Both couples were ready to tie their respective knots, but this was uncharted legal territory, and not because of the brothers being conjoined. Marriage between whites and non-whites was illegal. The twins were not white, but they also weren't black. So in this case, hoping to avoid any problems, each brother posted a bond of $1,000. And in April 1843, in a small double wedding, and can I just say I love double weddings, Chang and Ang Bunker married Sarah and Adelaide Yates and commenced building their families. But exactly how did they do that? All right, you knew it was coming. Let's talk about their sex lives. Ah, well... Let me give you a few facts and then leave the rest for imagination. This is Yunta Huang. He's a professor at the University of California, Santa Barbara, and author of a biography about the twins called Inseparable. When they first married, they had only one house, the four of them. But later on, they set up two separate households. They set up this kind of very rigid uh, schedule. Here's how it worked. For three days and nights, they stayed at one brother's house. And then they moved to the other brothers. Let's say they were at Chang's house. Chang, on the, in those three days, he can do whatever he likes, uh, whatever he does with his wife. And Eng, during this time, would go into a passive, meditative state. Imagine a computer in sleep mode, not shutting down, but inactive. Yunta Huang describes the arrangement as one of alternate mastery. It's what allowed each brother to enjoy intimate relations with his spouse while the other brother was right there. Was the bed sort of big enough for three people then? Yes, they are extra wide, really. If you're giggling at the description of this unorthodox arrangement, I get it. But it's also kind of beautiful. The very definition of selflessness, to surrender free will, to sacrifice like that, to give your brother some meaningful time with his wife. The marriages were fruitful. Chang and Adelaide had 10 kids. Ang and Sarah edged them out with 11. And they were very loving parents. I mean, you can tell from just looking at even some of the photographs. You know, I was looking today the way Chang had his arm around my grandfather. And mm. it wasn't staged or anything. It was just, they, they loved their children. Loving your children is natural. For Chang and Ang, brought to this country for exhibition, for these men to even have children and raise families, strikes me as nothing short of radical. But being Southern gentlemen in the antebellum South meant something else altogether. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Everything you see around here was part of our farm. If you had been here, those fields would have been covered in tobacco plants. While Chang and Ang objected to themselves being seen as slaves, they had no problem owning slaves. Slavery was a fact in antebellum South, so it was their ticket, I should emphasize, into the southern white world. This is the point at which the narrative becomes very complicated and uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? Because up until this point, you really root for them. Mm-hmm. But at this point in the story, it, you kind of, yeah. you hit a brick wall. They did treat this as business. They tend to buy rather young slaves. They will raise them and then sell them later at, at a profit when they grow older. Almost like investment property. Right, I yes. Mean, right? They ended up owning 32 slaves, including children. Because of their wealth and the paucity of Chinese in America, Yunte Wang says the twins were able to position themselves as honorary whites. As a North Carolinian, I'm really, really proud of the fact that my great-grandfather could come and settle down there as an Asian, Chinese heritage, and make a successful life for himself. I'm not proud of the fact that they owned slaves. That's not a source of pride, but... Uh, we have to recognize that at that point in time in history, that's how you got work done on a large farm. Earlier, they were treated and they worked like slaves, certainly. And now the table is turned. Now they are master of slaves. The victimized becoming the victimizer. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. After Abraham Lincoln was elected president in 1860, the nation was thrown into crisis. And the twins once again became a convenient literary device for journalists. The New York Tribune wrote, Chang resolved to sever the union with Ang, which he declared to be no longer worth preserving. But this wasn't brother against brother. The twins were united in their allegiance to the South. They sent two of their sons off to war and converted their fortune into Confederate currency, an ultimately disastrous decision. They were wiped out financially, so they had no choice. They only had one major asset left which is their conjoined body. 
and that's why they decided to go back on the road again after many years. They were in their mid-50s now, forced to return for a grueling five years to the life they thought they'd left behind. They briefly teamed up with P.T. Barnum, whom they deeply mistrusted. They did a stint with a traveling circus in Europe. It was humiliating. And then Chang, a lifelong drinker, suffered a stroke. And they came home to North Carolina. Yet even in their final years, Chang and Ang couldn't escape the spotlight. I think there's something very sweet about the fact that in order to negotiate the world, they had to put their arms around each other's shoulders. Mm, That's such a great thought. Yes, I love that. That's my friend, Dr. John LaPook. He's CBS News' senior medical correspondent. He's giving me some perspective on what life for the twins must have been like. Think about it, Mo. When you're doing something, just even just walking up on a curb, that takes split-second timing. How did they do that? Okay, now we're going to lift our left leg. Now we're going to lift our right leg. But after Chang had a stroke and they returned to North Carolina, Ang had to drag him around, quite literally, for the next four years. Can you imagine? I mean, they were told, from what I read, that if one of them died, that they'd have to try to separate the two of them ASAP, right away, right. Uh, in order to, for the other person to have a chance. Now, the odds of that happening had to be zero back then. I mean, they couldn't do it when they were healthy. One morning, after a particularly cold night, Eng's son came into his father's bedroom. His uncle Chang was dead. Eng was still alive. So you're attached to a corpse, and that corpse is probably pretty quickly getting cold? I cannot imagine what that moment is like. And so when I think about Chang and Eng, and I think about those final moments of Eng, his brother has died in And now the clock is ticking. And not only is it ticking, but he's having two things happen simultaneously. Physically, he's getting weaker. His blood pressure is probably dropping. He's probably getting infected septic from the toxins. Something's happening. Probably physical pain. Physical pain. And he knows he's dying. Maybe he's feeling cold. And emotionally, (sighs) emotionally, and you just wonder what his last thoughts were, if he was able to think. Ang, surrounded by family, would live for another few hours, his wife and children rubbing his arms and stretching his legs. I mean, like, there is a ticking clock. I mean, it's just, it's, it's like a horror movie. It really it, is. It is a horror movie, but you wonder for them, they lived 62 years. They were able to actually have a life. Right. It's a miracle that they even had a life at all, Mo. I wouldn't want to have been in their shoes, but... It's remarkable. The brothers died on January 17, 1874. Their obituary made the front page of newspapers across the country. In death, they were celebrated and once again exploited. A public autopsy was performed in Philadelphia. Doctors discovered that the brothers' livers were connected Indeed, they wouldn't have survived separation surgery in the mid-19th century. Today, they could have been separated, John LaPook says, without question. Doctors had promised the grieving widows to return the bodies intact. Instead, Chang and Ang were shipped back with some of their internal organs removed. 
You can still see their conjoined livers on display at Philadelphia's Mütter Museum. Eventually, they were laid to rest in a double-wide casket with a single headstone in a cemetery in Mount Airy. But it's to the village in Thailand where their story began that their descendants recently traveled. the bus one day and and I just blurted out oh my gosh that looks exactly like the Blue Ridge Mountains for Alex Sink and nine other descendants including her cousin Robin Craver it was an emotional experience I'm where I came from my ancestors were here they didn't make it back but I did they told me all about it at the reunion here's Alex I just felt a connection of knowing that part of my blood part of my genetic makeup, my DNA, started in this river, in this town, uh, on a little boat with my great-grandfather selling duck eggs. How cool is that? Homer Bunker is a descendant on the Eng side. Before we went on the trip, they said, you'll be treated royally. And that can be interpreted in any number of ways. And when we got there, as they have pointed out, we were genuinely treated royally uh, from the time we arrived at the airport. Oh my goodness, that was very cool. We are now in Samoan Largely forgotten in their adopted country, the twins have superstar status in Thailand. A lady was brought to tears for meeting me. I'm just little old Robin Craver from North Carolina. They have this huge park, and the center of the park is an enormous statue of the Siamese twins. And as I went around the memorial and read the inscriptions or whatever, and it's the, at that point that I thought, hey, I need to write a song about this. All right, well, Tomer, you can't tease us this way. Yeah, well, would you like to hear my song? Gee, I thought you'd never <laughs> ask. <laughs> Two precious little Siamese boys, Ing and Chang, born to bring the world so many joys, May 11, 1811 was the date of their arrival. Attached to the chest, they struggled for survival. Why do you think their story matters? Oh, my gosh. America was always the beacon of the place where somebody could come and build a successful life. And they came here with nothing. In fact, they themselves were, in effect, owned. The twins decided, we're going to go off and create our own business and our own entertainment. And so they worked really, really hard. I mean, you know, we talk a lot about people with disabilities. I mean, they had the ultimate disability. So I think it's an incredible, inspiring American immigration story. You know, it's really not weird at all that some of the family members used to be self-conscious about being descended from the twins. Who isn't self-conscious about your family when, when you're a kid? I remember being afraid that people would find out that I call my mother Mamita instead of mom. She's Colombian. I know it sounds silly, but I was afraid I'd get made fun of, that it would mark me as different. I outgrew that. Now I'm happy to let you know that I call her Mamita. I still do. Today, the bunkers have a lot to be proud of. Alex Sink, whose real name is Adelaide, she's named after her great-grandmother, was the Democratic nominee for governor of Florida in 2010. Another descendant, Caroline Shaw, recently won the Pulitzer Prize for Music. 
and the late Caleb Haynes was a decorated veteran of both world wars. And every summer, a whole bunch of bunkers descend on Mount Airy to celebrate the twins, as well they should. Chang and Ang were extraordinary. They may not have been perfect, far from it, but they had courage. You would have thought there would have been at least one episode of The Andy Griffith Show mm. that included, that nodded to, that referred to Chang and Ang. But that's that just proves how little it was on people's radars. I would have loved Don Knotts <laughs> as Barney Fife coming in and yeah. saying, I swear I saw them. <laughs> right. Or I saw one of those bunkers <laughs> downtown today. Next time on Mobituaries, the death of a tree and how it uprooted the sports world. You know, I just don't like Auburn. I wanted Auburn people to hate me as much as I hate them. I certainly hope you enjoyed this Mobit. If you would, please rate and review our podcast. You can follow Mobituaries on Facebook and Instagram, and you can follow me on Twitter, at MoRocca. For more great content, please visit Mobituaries.com. You can subscribe to Mobituaries wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of Mobituaries was produced by Megan Dietry and Gideon Evans. Our team of producers also includes Megan Marcus, Kate McAuliffe, and me, Mo Rocca. It was edited by Megan Dietry and engineered by Dan DeZula, with additional editing by Sophia Steinert-Evoy. Indispensable support from Kay Lim, Young Kim, Genius Dineski, Kira Wardlow, Richard Rohrer, and everyone at CBS News Radio. Special thanks to Dr. Henri Ford, Alberto Robina, Tanya Jones, Alex Sink, Zach Blackman, Gary Rash, Hobart Yates, and the entire Bunker family. Our theme music is written by Daniel Hart. And as always, undying thanks to Rand Morrison and John Carp, without whom mobituaries couldn't live. Hi, it's Mo. If you're enjoying Mobituaries, the podcast, may I invite you to check out Mobituaries, the book. It's chock full of stories not in the podcast. Celebrities who put their butts on the line, sports teams that threw in the towel for good, forgotten fashions, defunct diagnoses, presidential candidacies that cratered, whole countries that went kaput, and dragons. Yes, dragons. You see, people used to believe that dragons were real until... Just get the book. You can order Mobituaries, the book, from any online bookseller or stop by your local bookstore. And look for me when I come to your city. Tour information and lots more at mobituaries.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.